Hello, my friends. This is your long-lost podcast host, Stephen Roach, and I've returned with another episode of Makers and Mystics. Today, I have the privilege of introducing an artist to you whom I got to work with at our last The Breath in the Clay gathering in March. My guest is Sarah DeShields of the band Broadcast Safe. Sarah is a photographer, a visual artist, a singer-songwriter. She's the co-founder of her own creative arts collective called Elysian, which is based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And Sarah and her husband, Kevin, just released a self-titled album under the band name Broadcast Safe, which is what you're hearing in the background now. Also, before we jump into the interview, I just wanted to make the exciting announcement that coming up, I am going to have some information on the next The Breath in the Clay gathering. I'll go ahead and give you a hint. It will be in March of 2017 in Winston-Salem, North Carolina again. And so keep your ear to the ground for news on that. And in the meantime, here's my interview with Sarah DeShields of Broadcast Safe. So... Broadcast Safe is a collaborative between you and your husband, Kevin, correct? Yes. And so do you guys co-write most of the music together? We do. Um, We were actually, when we were first married, we started Broadcast Safe, which was like 12 years ago. Um, But he and I, we began making music together, but we really didn't. We didn't gel at all, and that was quite surprising for us and a bit strange. Mm. When you're newlyweds and you're both musicians and everyone thinks it must be a dream to be married to a musician and just make music together, and it's like this dreamy romantic thing that you do, but it's actually, for us, it was really, really hard. Mm. So we made a few things and then just, we had babies and we went off and I did solo records and and he ended up playing churches and just um, getting into his own bands. And a few years ago, we were like, we, I really just want to make music with you again. Just the two of us and even just bring in the kids and just have family music night once a week. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. And we've developed over the past couple of years, this just surprising sound that we didn't know was there. You know, it just, we just, everything just as, I guess just all the years have rolled in to make this work. Was, was part of that struggle to find a a sound together uh, musical differences or just places where even your skill level may have been different or just your interests were different what what actually uh if you can dig into some of that like what what um was some that you had to work through to find your sound together i would say yeah all of those things um definitely musical interests. I mean, Kevin grew up, you know, in in the church where um, the culture he was part of really didn't allow him to listen to anything other than Christian artists for a long time. And so that was kind of his world. And I didn't grow up in that world. So he had, you know, I was sending when we were dating, I would send him just, you know, CDs and tapes, actually, cassette tapes, (laughs) like mixes and stuff. And because we were in different countries. And so I would send him songs on them, cassette tape or whatever mixes just from stuff that I like and he'd never heard of any of it and it was like blowing open doors for him and and that was great and I was I was studying music too so I was also immersed in a lot of um a lot of wonderful classical music and Mm -hmm. to this day like we still like really different music 
So, um, so yeah, I guess all of those things. I wanted to ask about a couple of the songs uh, yeah. specifically on the new album. And one uh, in particular that I loved <clears throat> is Har. Mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. I didn't know what that word meant, and so I looked it up. It means a cold sea fog on the east coast of England or Scotland, and I thought that was appropriate um, just with your background, and, and so it, it made sense. It put it a little more into context, but um, forgive the, the comparison. Hopefully it would be a... Um, a flattering comparison, if I could say it, or a, or a good one, but it reminds me that song of Agnes Obel meets Emmylou Harris in an empty temple in Scotland. If if in, in a, in, <laughs> if Agnes Obel and Emmylou Harris came together in an empty cathedral in Scotland, that's this song to me. And oh. uh, so, <laughs> yeah, but I I really loved it and. Um, but I was fascinated with the lyrics as well. It it reminded me a lot of Jesus when he walked on the water. And it, yeah. the, the lyrics are a lot about, you walk on up to me like a ghost. I've been rowing, you see, since I left the coast. And I can barely see you behind the har. I don't know if you're 10 feet or 20 far. Tell me, tell me a little bit about this song. Yeah, so... Well, first about, about the word har, I, I love this because we, we grew up saying... Like I remember climbing um, Arthur's seat in Edinburgh and the Sihar rolled in and, and it was completely covered. We could not see the city at all. And, you know, people are talking about the Har. And so when I was writing this song, I remember, I remember that that's what we called that kind of fog where you can just see a silhouette of a person. And um, I, I looked it up too, because I was like, am I, you know, am I spelling this right? Am I remembering this word right? Because I've been in America for like, 13 12 years and I've lost a lot of my language you know and uh, trying to remember the things we used to say and um, I was really happy to find that the word har is really it's regional to where I grew up you know it's not even just a general Scottish word for fog it's like right on the coast that I grew up in and you know I just thought it was really exciting yeah um, so but yeah there is a, a really um, I had a really powerful experience, and this was five years ago now, six years ago, um, because I, I had um, just given birth to my second son, and um, I think I was I was never diagnosed with postpartum depression, but I was definitely wrestling with some depression after having him, and I I do think it was related to. Um, to just the hormones that happen at that time, and um, I took them for. A, I took my boys for a walk. We actually went to the Renaissance Festival this one day in this cold November, and it was a beautiful day. And it was the first day of like crisp light that I had felt in a long time. Mm. And um, we we ended the day by sitting by the fire and. I started to read um, scripture, which I had not done in a very long time. <laughs> and I, and the boys were just peaceful, and there was just this rest about the house and over my over my own soul. I felt like, and so um, I started to read. I think it was in Mark. Um, that very, um, it was actually where Jesus was 
up on a hill and he's seeing the disciples they're like rowing around and he says I think he says like he sees them in the row and he's they're trying to get and I think a storm comes and all that kind of stuff and it was a very powerful moment where I was reading it and I was seeing Jesus watching his disciples like kind of freaking out you know and not really doing anything about it in that moment and I didn't read on I, I felt very invited to close my eyes and just rest for a moment and I saw this image of myself being in the boat and being in the midst of this this fog and all I could see was um, I could see his feet on the water but I could only see his feet mm. and I started to ask him to come into the boat and he wouldn't and he just stayed there with his feet and I, I sort of processed that with, with myself for a while and just sort of prayed and sat. And I realized that what God was saying to me was that there was no key out of this right now. Mm. That depression was depression and that's where I was. But he was very present with me in it. And I think it was the first time I had like a really, a really um, sort of definitive for God's presence in the midst of like not knowing and not having an answer. I really wanted to key out. I was like, I'm done with this. I'm done feeling this way. I want to enjoy my new baby. I want to enjoy this time in life. And I just felt like I had no joy. And, but that something shifted at least from knowing that he was standing right there. Mm -hmm. So the song doesn't resolve. The song doesn't, then say, oh, and you got in my boat and we went to where we needed to go and everything cleared up. <laughs> it just really stays in that state of like, I really don't want to be here, but I'm here and this is my present and you're with me in my present. And so that was the gift of that moment for me. And so I really, I really feel like it continues to be a powerful thing for me to, to sing because no matter where I'm at, you know, I feel like it's very hard for me to stay present in in whatever season I'm in. Um, and it just pulls me back, just pulls me back to knowing that, you know, there's he's present within every moment. And so I'm trying to get out and move on. You know, there's something to learn right now, right here. So, yeah. So that's the song, yeah. There's so many thoughts that come to mind hearing all that. The whole idea of being present, for one, I, I think that's something that seems to be more and more of a struggle even in our culture today mm -hmm. um, is just to be present, to be present with one another and um, to be present with God, to be present in the midst of what we're going through. Um, you know, I, I won't even touch the uh, technological side to that. Right. <laughs> you know, but yeah, the the whole idea of being present. And I know this about you just from even our time together at The Breath and the Clay, that you have a real uh, contemplative side to mm -hmm. your spirituality and to your faith that, uh, that I appreciate. And so much of the mystic tradition is contemplation and, and learning to be present. So uh, I think a question in that is, 
how does that affect your art and how does your art affect that like when I look at the song Har and that experience you had with this I'm, I'm curious to know how practice of being present would affect your art and then how your art maybe would help you in that spiritual practice mm. that's a good question <laughs> um and it may not be a conscious thought, you know, it well, may just happen. It, it, is, it is and it isn't. That's what's interesting about it. Because since I've started down this path of, of the contemplative life and the arts are so, um, I mean, they're really flourishing in the contemplative right now. I mean, there's, there's so many resources out there for uh, writers and artists that, that embrace the contemplative practices to really enrich their creativity and vice versa. So I've been enjoying a lot of those for a long time. Um, just to throw out a resource, I love Abby for the Arts. Um, is it Abby for the Arts or all of the arts? It's Christine Paintner anyway. And she um, just has a lot, she has one book called The Artist's Rule where she takes the heart of the monk and the heart of the artist and it's a 12 week thing. And that was sort of, I did that early on in, in the beginning of my, like, discovering this world. And it really shifted a lot for me in staying present in my practice. Um, I think, and you know, to bring it to the album, too, what's really interesting for me is um, writing this record. I mean, I have done a lot of records before, but since becoming more present in my spiritual practice the lyricism flowed much more freely and 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 continues to teach me it almost like it comes more from an outside and a deep within than it did before because I think before before I was like able to listen well um, I was always trying to say something and always trying to be I wasn't meaning to be preachy in my songs, but that's really always, I always had something like, what am I supposed to be saying? What do I need to say? What does the world need to hear from me? And I always was aware that was a real hindrance to my, to my lyrics and to my ability to write something meaningful, but I just didn't know how to get past it. And what surprised me so much about Broadcast Safe was, well, one, I was approaching it as something playful. I didn't really... Um, it's not a solo album, so I didn't feel like there was as much writing on it for me. It was something that it was just me and Kevin, like, hey, we need to write music together again. Let's just do this. Let's just do it, you know? So, like, I really felt like when I was writing the lyrics for this, I didn't have that pressure to, like, mm. tell the world what I think and what is the truth, you know? <laughs> so I really just was able to let each song like speak its own words and and that is something the contemplative life has really opened me up to is everything around you has the ability to speak and to invite you into something you've never seen or to connect with you in a way that you just like coming as if you are you know the, the pressure's on you to know everything it's just I guess it's just really the mystery it's being open to mystery yeah and and that has really shifted my creative practice. And it's also allowed me to, um, a lot of the time in, in the classes that I'm taking right now at, at the 
spirituality center where where I'm training to be a spiritual director. A lot of what we do there is when it bring when they bring the art in, it's really very simple, very childlike things, and it's not. I mean, it's everything from like collage to you know coloring a mandala or whatever it is. You know, it's something that like as artists we might be like, yeah, I'm not really gonna. You know, that's as a serious artist that's maybe not what I'm interested in doing but yet when you do those things it pulls you back to being like a child again and being open to the mystery of what mm-hmm. what is around you you know to speak and you discover so much more than if you were really coming out with an agenda with your art before you've even done anything you know right yeah I think that there tends to be a pressure uh, put upon a lot of Christian artists, honestly, to have a resolve in yeah. our, in our music or in our art, and and to have uh, the answers or to have a very practical application, or this is the this is the meaning, this is the message, this is the right. pu- the punchline, you know, of of what this is about. But when I, <laughs> you know, but when I look at um, even David as a scriptural example, Psalm eighty eight. Does yeah. does not resolve. It's like the darkest psalm in the whole Bible, <laughs> you know. And it's just like, basically, it ends. It feels like I hate myself and want to die, <laughs> yeah. you know, or something. And and there's there's no sense of resolve there. And I think that that fascinates me, even as an artist myself, is is dealing with with things or uh, that don't resolve or allowing things to just be in a space without having to give the punchline and I love I love that I think that that is an appreciation of the mystery and I think it allows people to have their own encounter with God and with your art uh, as when you when you leave room for for the listener right um, one of the other songs that I found really uh, fascinating lyrically to me is particle Oh yeah, and it's. I, I was reading these lyrics, and I was like, I can't believe I'm reading this because I've been uh, on my own journey talking so much about the space between. Yeah, uh, I, I've just I have this ongoing fascination with the space between things, and I didn't know until really yesterday that there was a word for that, which is liminal. And mm-hmm. and I just found this word liminal yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and in, for the folks listening, liminal means of or relating to a transitional or initial stage of a process or occupying a position at or on both sides of a boundary or a threshold. So it, it mm-hmm. if something's a liminal, it, it really deals with that space between two places. And I just found that word yesterday, and then I'm, I'm reading your lyrics in preparation for our talk, and you use that. Um, I'll read the verse. It says, Find me in the in-between, haunting the shadow and the sheen. You must walk these liminal halls, find your way to the center of it all. Tell me, darling, do you feel small? And I read that and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. No way. (laughs) You know, it's like you stole my journal or something when you, uh, (laughs) you know, but but tell me about 
particle and tell me about the idea uh, behind this. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this was one of those songs really that did come from uh, experiencing the contemplative contemplative life um, and it all kind of spilling out. And I I, I don't know, I, I didn't, I'm trying to remember even writing this song and I barely remember writing it. I think it just fell out. <laughs> but that verse I do remember because um, what I have noticed about myself and about the people around me and especially people I sit with in spiritual direction because people come from all different walks of life and yet we're all in some transitional space. Mm-hmm. All of us. Whatever it is, we're Usually the question when someone comes to a direction is, I just want to know where I'm going and I want to know what the next step is. And they want clarity on this thing or that thing. And usually where we end up is what does the net, like the question that we always have in spiritual direction is, is um, what is God doing right now? right now and usually you're like well right now I don't know because I don't know where I'm going and it's like actually right now there's something very present and resonating and happening that transcends the past the future and everything in between and so there's I just feel like there's so much encompassed in that we don't know how to stay right now we don't know how to be in these in-between spaces it freaks us out Mm. completely freaks us out to not know where we're going or to not know i know it freaks me out all the time and yet i feel like everything is present in the Mm in-between you know whether that's in between of knowing what you're supposed to be doing to the in-between times of the day to the in-between of our of our matter but that's why the song has such a cosmic kind of feel because it goes beyond just even the experience of the of of okay jobs or i need to Mm -hmm. you know the in-between of like i'm in transition between uh you know i don't know whatever you want to put fill in the blank but it, it's so. It's even more about the transitions of 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 getting older. Of I mean, just you could you could put anything in there of life experience, and we're always shifting. We're always in a place of constant shift, and yet we don't see that place as holy or worthy of of looking at and being still within, or even acknowledging. And that's where that's where everything belongs. It's where it all is, and and so. And I do find that, I mean, I've, I've been in liminal space myself for like many years now. I think because when you're in your early 20s, you have a probably pretty definite idea of who you want to be and where you want to go and what you're planning on doing in 10 years or five years or two years. And then that kind of shifts, at least it has for me. The older I get, the less I have that conviction that I know I need to know where I'm going and that I need to have a plan and that I need to, well, some plans are good. I'm not saying that, but for me, I think it's more, I, even if I do have an idea of where I want to be and what I want to be doing, it never usually works out that way. Mm-hmm. And so how do I become comfortable just in, in being, how do I become comfortable in my body? How do I become just me right now as I am with the people around me and the things around me that I'm that I'm involved in that might shift tomorrow and 
you know, I have some friends who are, who, when I was writing that last verse, the reason I remember that is I have, I have one particular friend who she's, her whole world just tipped upside down and everything shifted. And two, two, three years later, she's still in the middle space, but she remains so connected to the spirit in that whole time of knowing that she could at least be um, allowed to feel small and safe within that. Mm-hmm. And it really inspired me to see her journey through it. I mean, she just went to a whole new level of depth and she could have just gone off the rails, you know? And that really inspires me that people that are okay with change, okay with whatever whatever might be like going crazy around them and they're still a person of peace because they understand the holiness that is within the spaces, you know? Sorry, I just zoned into the beauty of what all that was saying. I felt like I was getting some spiritual direction for myself right now, you know? (laughs) One last question before we wrap it up. I know that you do uh, incredible photography as well as you're a singer-songwriter. And then I also know that you're one of the founders of the Elysian Collective which uh, is an art community of sorts in Charlotte, as well as you have, is it three children that you have? Two. Two? Oh, two ch- <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm curious, just tell me how family life and the creative world interact with one another in your life. I would say it's not easy at all. <laughs> but yeah. I, I think it's something that I think I'm very fortunate to have a family that understands and supports the the needs that I have to be creative and to have my own space there. Um, I think finding ways to weave it into your family life is very important with my kids. I don't do a great job. I really don't. Um, But I'm trying and growing and learning on how to really, you know, um, if I can't be alone to go off and create, how do I do that? with my children and then that of course that's an enriching thing um i will say right now i do think it's it, it's sort of a back and forth for me because financially we're we're sort of you know i used to work for the church and that was a really solid job and probably the best paid job i've ever had i have a performing arts degree that doesn't get me much so like i don't really want to be on staff at church anymore so i i'm always kind of like okay okay, what do I do? What do I do? <laughs> you know, um, how do I, how do I contribute to our financial needs and not turn my creativity into a business? Cause that's really the last thing I want to do. Cause every time I do, it loses its joy, you know? And I have a wonderful husband who is always willing to talk that out with me and figure it out. And some days, I mean, like right now, 
I ha- I'm nannying for a little baby and um, we're, I'm doing social media for a video company and uh, those are small hours like those are part-time jobs during the week and then around that I I think the creative stuff because I've put things in place like Elysian like broadcast safe like being being um, having the contemplative I think all of those things just don't give me an excuse to not you know um, so I don't know if that sentence made sense but I, all those practices are there so that I would not let that part of me die because everyone in this house knows that when Sarah is not <laughs> not creating, no one's happy. <laughs> so it's life for all if we have, even if it is just something really small. Like I have a jigsaw puzzle going on right now in the in the in the dining room. We haven't had we haven't been able to eat on our dining room table for weeks because I have a Thomas Kincaid Disney Sleeping Beauty giant puzzle that I'm doing that is just something that I can pass by if I'm on that day where I'm working in the office and working with a little baby and just feel like there's nothing I'm not getting any I can just at least walk past that table and spend five ten minutes looking for some little pieces to put together and sometimes that's all it is you know mm. um, and I, I do think people might look at my life and say oh she's doing all of these things but I'm always coming up against frustrations you know and feeling like I think the staying present has been such a gift for me because if I didn't have that, I'd, I'd be really frustrated that a lot of things never took off the way I wanted them to take off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took me 10 years to make my first record from getting married and saying I was going to do it. And then 10 years later, we made it. Mm-hmm. But I never have made the record that I made if I had not had those 10 years, you know? So I raised my, I had those 10 years where I had, I had my babies and, and I, you know, discovered, discovered so much about my, my musical life and myself through working for the church and just, and it nothing was wasted. So even in those seasons where, when you're with your family and you're a creative person and you just think, I don't have any outlets, I feel like I'm dying you know, there's still something coming. You just need to have practices that give you life and take the pressure off yourself, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't really have a lot of answers for, like, what the perfect balance is because I don't think I've found it. Mm. But, you know. Well, when you find it, we'll do another podcast together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, I've enjoyed talking with you and best of luck with the album and we'll have a link to the album on makersandmystics.com so thanks a lot for talking with us thank you so much it's been a pleasure